Okay, and I have a classic UVA question. What is your Bodo's bagel order? Oh, mm. I go back and forth on the Bodo's order. Okay. I love uh, light eggs with feta cheese on an everything bagel. Whoa, okay. Yeah, but sometimes I go classic, just cream cheese on the What does that bagel. mean, light eggs? They, you know, like, I don't know. Like fewer eggs or like No, the... no. Oh, you okay. Know, egg white? Oh, yeah, it's like egg white. Oh, I know okay. I'm embarrassed, but I don't know. They have a thing. And yeah. I order that. <laughs> I like going to Bodo's and getting the heavy eggs. This is Admissible. I'm Natalie Blazer, Dean of Admissions at UVA Law. Welcome to season four of the show. I have to tell you that with this season premiere, we are really starting on a very high note. Today's episode is such a big deal, we're not even recording it in our usual studio at WTJU. This afternoon, we are in fact about a mile away down the road at Madison Hall on the University of Virginia's main grounds. I must say there is a real sense of occasion recording here in this historic building, um, which is rather fitting because my two guests today have each played outsized roles in contributing to and improving upon this university's history. So without further ado, today I am honored truly to welcome two great leaders of the University of Virginia to the show. They really need no introduction, but I'm going to attempt to give them one anyway. My first guest is President Jim Ryan, the ninth president of the University of Virginia. Before coming to UVA to serve as president, Ryan was the Charles William Elliott Professor and Dean of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Before his Harvard deanship, Ryan was the Matheson and Morgenthau Distinguished Professor at the University of Virginia School of Law. He also served as UVA Law's Academic Associate Dean from 2005 to 2009 and founded and directed the school's program in law and public service. During his 15 years on the Virginia faculty, Ryan received the All-University Teaching Award, an Outstanding Faculty Award from the State Council of Higher Education for Virginia, and several awards for his scholarship. A first-generation college student, Ryan received his A.B. in American Studies with distinction from Yale University. He graduated summa cum laude and was elected to Phi Beta Kappa. Ryan earned his law degree from the University of Virginia, which he attended on a full scholarship and from which he graduated first in his class. After law school, Ryan clerked for William H. Rehnquist, the late Chief Justice of the United States. Joining President Ryan today is Dean Risa Golubov. Golubov is the 12th and the first female dean of the University of Virginia School of Law. She is a renowned legal historian whose scholarship and teaching focus on American constitutional and civil rights law, especially their historical development in the 20th century. In 2023, President Biden appointed her to the Permanent Committee for the Oliver Wendell Holmes Devise, which documents the history of the U.S. Supreme Court. In addition to serving as dean, Golubov has been on UVA Law's faculty for more than 20 years, and she is currently teaching a seminar in ethical values course, along with her husband, Rich Schrager, also a UVA Law faculty member. During her time at UVA Law, 
Golubov has received both the law school's Carl McFarland Award for Excellence in Faculty Scholarship and, like President Ryan, the University of Virginia's All-University Teaching Award. Prior to joining the law school in 2002, Dean Golubov clerked for Judge Guido Calabresi of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit and Justice Stephen Breyer of the U.S. Supreme Court. She also served as a Fulbright Scholar to South Africa. Dean Golubov earned her bachelor's degree from Harvard University, her master's degree and PhD from Princeton University, and her law degree from Yale Law School. Believe it or not, I have shortened the introductions for these two incredible guests significantly. For example, I have not listed several books they've authored and their numerous other very, very impressive accomplishments because to provide their entire biographies would take up all of our time and then some. And in service to you, uh, the listener, believe me, I want you to have every spare second available to hear what these two leaders of UVA have to say today. On that note, President Ryan, Dean Golubov, if for the rest of the show I can call you Jim and Risa, sure. welcome Absolutely. to Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's so happy. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to be here. Same here. Thanks. It's very exciting. So given that this podcast is geared toward, you know, law school applicants, prospective law students, I'd love to start and just hear what drove each of you to law school in the first place. So maybe, Jim, if you can start. Um, sure. I knew I wanted to go to law school for a very long time, in part because my dad, who was very handy, and I was not, and I love to argue, um, told me he couldn't imagine <laughs> some things don't change. Um, he told me many times that he couldn't imagine me earning a living any other way, and I had better become a lawyer. Um, and he planted the seed. And um, for whatever reason, in high school, I became really interested in the civil rights movement and the role that lawyers played in that movement. And I also... Um, joined the debate team, and I really did like to argue. So I went into college thinking I was going to go to law school um, and uh, never really changed my mind. I mean, I was open to other ideas, but I never really changed my mind. Yeah, that's great. How about you? So uh, part of me, I just, law school was always there, right? Mm. It wasn't something, I don't recall a moment of thinking, oh, I think I should go to law school. I always assumed I would go to law school. Yeah. I um, I was also very interested in the civil rights movement. Um, I spent a lot of my college career doing public service. And um, it seemed to me like lawyers were incredibly important change makers in the world. And, uh, and, and I wanted to be among them. I will say when the time came, I also... Had spent I spent much of my extracurricular life doing public service, but I spent my academic life studying history, which I loved, and I found it really hard to decide which one I wanted to do. So I decided to do both, <laughs> but I didn't know exactly where that would take me. Um, but I did think I know I want to be a lawyer because I want to be a person who takes action in the world, and I also love doing history. And I thought if I go to grad school and I read books for a few years and then I go, be, that would be okay, you know, yeah. but I didn't know what it would look like, but I did want to do both. Yeah. And so what drove each of you to UVA law school specifically? So Jim as a student and then later as a faculty member and, and, and you, Risa, as, as a faculty member and now Dean. Why don't you go first, Risa? Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I went on the teaching market. I was done with law school and partway through my dissertation for my history and PhD. And um, my husband, 
Rich Schrager, who you had as a professor, um, he and I went on the teaching market together. And I have a very vivid memory. You know, when you go on the teaching market, you do these half-hour interviews at all the law schools who are interested in you. And we each did a lot of those because we were trying to end up in the same place. And some of the interviews you did, people were very nice, but they weren't that engaging Mm -hmm. and they weren't that hard-hitting about your scholarship. And they all agreed with each other. And there were other um, interviews where they were very rigorous but they seem to think that being rigorous meant being mean. And um, I have a vivid memory of my UVA interview, and it was the only one where they were warm and welcoming mm. and gracious and nice and rigorous and asked great questions, and they all had different points of view, and walking out and thinking, that place is different. <laughs> and uh, and Rich, we you know we got together at the end of the day, and he was, I was like, UVA? And he said, I had exactly the same experience. Wow. And we both just thought... That's the place. And uh, luckily, UVA thought that too. And in my experience, that is what UVA is. And, yeah. you know, every at every stage of the rest of the process, that it was clearer and clearer that those were the values of this place and um, that it would be a place where we would thrive and learn and grow and have great colleagues and great students. And it was it was easy. Yeah. Now over 20 years later. Still yeah. Still here. Yeah. It's going to be that. 22 this year. This yeah. Th- years wow. This spring. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So I ended up here as a student somewhat accidentally, and I attribute it to playing rugby, actually. (laughs) So when I was in college, I continued to be interested in the civil rights movement and the 1960s in particular. And oddly enough, given my current job, I became really interested in student protests during the 1960s. Um, And so when I was thinking about applying to law school, I wasn't sure whether I would go straight through or... Um, take some time off. So I applied to just a few schools, and one of them was Berkeley, which in the 1960s um, was the site of a lot of important student protests. And I had this romanticized view that in 1988, it would still be this vibrant place of, (laughs) I don't know why I was so interested in being at a place where there were student protests, but in any event, (laughs) Um, so I applied and, and was admitted and then got invited to participate on a rugby tour uh, in New Zealand and Australia uh, right after college. And I realized I was not going to get back to Australia and New Zealand anytime soon. So I decided that I would stay on and find odd jobs to support myself and travel. And so I wrote to Berkeley asking if I could defer admission for a year, telling them I had this opportunity to go to Australia. And they wrote back and said, no, we only wow. allow you to defer in the case of family or personal emergency. And I remember thinking, if I knew that were the standard, I would have written a totally different letter. <laughs> um, but anyway, in any event, I decided to go anyway um, and just thought, well, I'll reapply. And by that point, I had gone to visit Berkeley Um, which I don't know what I was imagining, but it was not what Mm -hmm. I imagined. Um, And I applied more broadly. And I applied to UVA because by that point, I had some friends who were already here in the first year class, and they raved about it. Um, And so I applied and then was invited to come interview for a scholarship. And it was really the first time I'd been to UVA. And I spent a weekend um, in Charlottesville, it was in the spring, so it was beautiful, and I met a lot of people at um, at the law school. And I left thinking, I'm going to come here regardless of whether I get this scholarship no. or not. Um, and if I get the scholarship, it'll be the easiest decision I've ever made. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up coming here and loved it. I mean, I loved everything about it. What Risa said about 
um, the faculty is true of the community as a whole. I mean, it is incredibly rigorous, unbelievably talented people, um, but also an incredibly humane place and a place where the culture is balanced and, and people do try to strike a balance between academics and the rest of their life. Um, and so I fell in love with it as a student. I had never thought about becoming a law professor, but a professor of mine who I took a bunch of classes from, Mike Carmen, I wrote a paper for him in my third year of law school, and he said, um, you should think about becoming a law professor. And I will tell you the main attraction to being a law professor was the possibility of coming back to UVA. Wow. Um, so I worked um, for, I clerked for some judges and then worked in Newark for a couple of years practicing law. And then when I went on the teaching market, that was my dream job. And so I felt incredibly fortunate to be able to come back. Yeah. Did, did either of you, when you were first starting out in law school, envision some, you know, version of what you're doing now, president of the university, dean of the law school? I mean, were you dreaming that big? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. We can answer that together. No. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I always tell people that um, my career has not gone from the very beginning at all how I expected, but it has a through line. I've always been interested in education. Uh, I was a first generation student and in, even in college started wondering why the system worked for me when it fails so many other yeah. um, kids. Uh, and then when I went to law school, I realized that law had a big role to play. And I thought, well, I would, I would become a civil rights lawyer focused on educational opportunity. I ended up being a law professor um, and wrote and taught about law and education. Um, I never imagined becoming the dean of an education school uh, which was a leap of faith on both my part and on the part of um, Drew Faust, who's the president of Harvard, who hired me. And when I was there, I never thought about um, becoming a university president. But the through line is I've always been interested in education and educational opportunity. I just never imagined that I would be pursuing that interest um, in these particular jobs. Yeah. Should I answer that you? question too? Okay, so no was the one word <laughs> answer. Um, and, you know, as I said before, I didn't really know where having a JD and a PhD would take me. I kind of imagined I would be a rural legal services lawyer and represent migrant farm workers and then also teach at a community college and do oral their oral histories and write about the history of migrant farmers. You know, that was the yeah. kind of image. And it didn't, I didn't really think that being a law professor would be a thing. But for me, I was always looking for how can I both have the life of the mind that I want and also be a person of action in the world. And it turned out that being a law professor was the perfect way to do yeah. that. I get to do scholarship. I teach students who are going to be lawyers. I can sign amicus briefs and be an, uh, right. uh, an expert witness, you know, all kinds of things like that. So it was uh, a perfect combination of being a professor and being an actor. So I, I never pictured being a law professor for a long time. And then I certainly didn't picture being a dean. I was a very happy scholar. And um, when I was thinking about whether to throw my hat in the ring, somebody said to me, a former dean of a different school said, well, you shouldn't ask the question, do I want to be dean at UVA Law School? You should be asking, do I want to be a dean? And I eventually came to the conclusion, I thought exactly the opposite of that. I thought he was <laughs> totally wrong. 
long. And I thought, no, the reason I want to do this is because at that time I'd been here for 14 years. It was my institution. I've grown up here. It's made me the scholar I am and the teacher I am and the person I am. And I wanted to serve it and make it the best version of itself that it could be. So um, I eventually concluded I wanted to be dean here, not just dean, um, but in order to, you know, continue to act in the world by being uh, in a leadership position in this institution that I love. And you have made it the best version of itself. Thank you. I think. That's I very kind of you. I agree. Very You've been a phenomenal you, dean. Thank you. Really, Thank really. You. It's been a labor of love. Yeah. So. And this is a good segue, I think, to a question I had just about the value of education in general. I feel that it's being debated a lot recently, higher education, and is it worth the student loan debt? Are young people getting the career outcomes that they used to? And so... I know that the three of us in higher education probably have a very specific view, but I also know you both have children who have just recently done this process or are about to. um, And so I'm wondering if that gives you a unique perspective. Do you think this is a debate that just is going to continue to come up every, you know, 20 years? Or is there something really different about this moment? I think you go first, Jim. You sure? Yes. So I... Uh, I'm obviously biased given my job, but even as a parent, I still think that um, investing in a college education and then in a law school education mm-hmm. are two of the best investments you can make. I don't think that this is an unusual time in terms of questioning the value of higher education. It's an intense time. Um, and I think the decline in trust of higher education is unusual Mm -hmm. and worrisome for a lot of reasons. Um, But I still believe that um, the investment pays off. I also believe that universities um, need to be clear about the return on investment. Not all universities provide a good value. Not all universities provide a good return on investment. One of the things that I admire most about UVA and UVA Law School is I think it provides an exceptional return on investment. And I think it's completely fair for parents, for legislators, for the general public to be asking those questions, which is one of the reasons why I've been pleased to see that various rankings um, systems and organizations have paid more and more attention to what I would put under the umbrella of return on investment. So I was hoping you go first to talk about the general, which I agree everything that Jim said, but I thought I would talk a little bit about UVA yeah. and the return on investment. I completely agree, and I think that's a burden we carry um, continually is to show that we do provide a good return on investment, and I feel really good about the return on investment at UVA Law School. So I'll give you just a couple of data points toward that. So one, we have um, a 98.5% employment rate. So you come to UVA Law School, you're going to get a job. And beyond that number, a number that I think is even more important is 95% of our students are going into jobs. And this is a little jargon. So the American Bar Association, our accreditor, has categories of jobs. And the highest, best job you can get coming out of a law school is a full-time, long-term job that requires a law degree. And 95% of our students go into those jobs. And we are number one in the country for those jobs. So it's not just we're they're getting employed. They're getting employed in the very best jobs. And I will say, in terms of the financial return, 
those very best jobs are right. very remunerative. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I can go into more detail on that if you want, but I won't use numbers for that. But to say the other piece, which is we have really dedicated ourselves to making sure that it is financially feasible, not just to come to UVA Law and go into a big law firm job, but also to go into public service. Mm-hmm. So we provide financial support at every step along the way to make it financially feasible. And um, that includes front-end scholarships. It includes fellowships for summer public service work, fellowships for postgraduate public service work. And then I think most importantly, our loan forgiveness program, whereby our students who are working in public service, we are paying back their loans for them while they're working in public service. So there, there's not one model of a return on investment. One is you pay tuition and uh, and you go work at a high paying job, but another is you pay tuition or not. Uh, in both cases, we obviously give a lot of scholarship money. Um, you you go into public service, and we are so committed to that that we're willing to to pay for your your loan payments as you do that. Um, can I say one last thing? Yes. Um, the other thing, and I and I'm sure Jim could say more about this on the university level too, is. Um, people often talk about the cost of higher education, mm-hmm. but there's not as much transparency. And this is, again, part of what we need to do on our side mm-hmm. into what you're getting for your money. Right. right? So, um, you know, a while back when I talked to our alumni who went here a few decades ago, the classes were very large. Almost all of your classes were large lectures. Um, and that was great. And you learned how to think like a lawyer and it was terrific. It is now the case that our largest classes are much smaller than they used to be. Um, and it is also the case that only about a third of our classes are lecture classes. And a third of them are small seminars, in-depth seminars on particular topics, interdisciplinary seminars. And then another third are clinics, experiential classes, simulation classes. And both of those latter two are much smaller. Right. They're much more resource intensive. And they are, in my view, crucial to producing the kinds of lawyers that we produce that enable them to go out in the world. It's not just about the job or the credential, it's the education they get. And the education we're giving is broad and it's deep and it's black letter and about thinking like a lawyer. And it's also interdisciplinary, like not just the law, but what's the context for this law and how do I change the law if that's what I want to do? And then the real practical experience. So you start you know, your law practice and you hit the ground running. and I think that the education that we give is superior, um, and I think that our students um, really do leave here with an amazing and varied toolkit that will serve them not only in legal jobs, but in any kind of jobs that they do in their lives. I think that's a perfect segue to a question I had for both of you about teaching. Um, You know, Jim, you were dean of education school at Harvard. Um, You were both faculty. My biggest regret when I was a student from 05 to 08 was never taking either of your classes. (laughs) That's Um, what you say now. I know. I'm not sure we believe you. (laughs) Reese and I both noted that earlier. (laughs) Although, as Reese mentioned, I did have Rich, her husband, for property, which was a great class. Um, So, Risa, you are, in fact sadly, stepping down from your role as dean um, this summer. But you are returning to teaching on the faculty full time. Um, I would love to hear a sabbatical after. (laughs) Yes, your much deserved sabbatical. Yes, yes, of course. Um, I would love to hear from each of you. What is it about teaching that you hold on to and that's meaningful to you? A couple of things. Um, 
one is um, I love teaching because I love learning the subject. Mm -hmm. And in order to be an effective teacher, um, you really need to obviously know what you're talking about. Uh, and this job offers an endless array of opportunities to dig in, to learn about topics that I don't know much about. I can't go as deep as I would on any one particular topic, um, but I have not lost the curiosity to learn. Um, the other, is I love the connection with students. Yeah. I absolutely love it uh, and have tried in this job, although it's more challenging, um, to spend as much time with students as I can. And I also started last year teaching a first-year seminar, co-teaching a first-year seminar, a COLA course, which I totally love doing. It is really fun to at least spend some time each week back in the role of professor. Yeah, that is rather quite a different relationship. And I imagine as dean I feel to the student, way, right, dean versus right. professor. And I have taught, you know, my job is not as big as Jim's. <laughs> I have taught almost every year um, of being dean, taught something. Yeah. And um, I echo everything he said. First of all, what a joy to watch people mm. understand something, right? And mm. to watch them get it and then deploy it and empowering them to make the law their own and figure out how they want to practice it and on whose behalf and for what clients and in what situations and um, what kinds of arguments and the power of the law. It's just incredibly exciting, you know, uh, to, to watch them do it. And, you know, you get the immediate feedback of watching them have understanding and feel that empowerment. And then you get the kind of delayed gratification of someone writing you an email or coming up to you later and mm -hmm. saying, I just used that thing that yeah. you taught me. I am doing that, and I have I learned it from you, and I was thinking about you when I just did it, and wow. um, that is just incredibly gratifying to have people go out in the world. And you know, I have these people with my professors, right? The people who are voices in my head, yeah. and um, it's a privilege to be a voice in someone's head, and that it happens ever is a wonder. Yeah. I will also say, so when I was at the law school, I spent five years in what is now called the vice dean role. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was still teaching. And so students would come to me in both capacities. Um, and if the student walked into my office and said, Professor Ryan, mm. I knew it was going to be one conversation, <laughs> usually pretty enjoyable. <laughs> if they came into my office and said, Dean Ryan, yeah. I knew it was going to be something else. <laughs> it's almost as if students expect uh, that if they're talking to a professor, the professor has their best interests in mind right. and, and the professor cares about them and yeah. wants to help them. But suddenly, if you're then on the administrative side, I don't think they come in necessarily with those expect expectations. That's so true. Um, and so having at least a toe in the water mm -hmm. of the, on the professor side is a, uh, is a joy for me. Yeah, absolutely. OK, being mindful of time, I want to get to sort of lightning round of favorites. I think our listeners would love to get to know you each a little bit more on a personal level. Okay, Jim, what is your favorite memory from your time as UVA law student? Oh, when I met um, my fellow first year student, Katie Homer, um, to whom I'm now married. Um, and, and I introduced myself, I tried to introduce myself to her at a dance, but lost my nerve at the last minute and introduced myself to the person she was dancing with. No. Yes. 
beat that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whatever wow. question you ask. I love I the law school that. love stories. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was great. the barrister's ball. Wow. Which I think still your happens, first year. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. That was, was your a, first year. First year. Yeah. Wow. wow. The rest is do history. you remember? Do you keep in touch with that person who was dancing who she was with dancing her? With? No. <laughs> no. Understandably. Yeah. I think they both realized who I was trying to introduce. <laughs> right. <myself> right. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, so, Risa, favorite memory either from your time as a faculty member prior to becoming dean or during your deanship. Um, so I have one from faculty members. So okay. uh, Rich and I co-teach a seminar on ethical values. So these right. small classes, 12 mostly third-year students in our house over dinner about things outside the regular curriculum. So ours has been on work-life balance. We've taught it pretty much every year. And we have a chair and a half in our um, den. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like where we sit to watch TV. It's, it's smushy for two people. <laughs> And one year when we taught this seminar, there was a man and a woman who were had been in their small section first year together. They took our seminar together as three owls. They were not romantically involved, but good friends. And every time they would come in and they would make a beeline for the chair and a half. And they sat on the chair and a half together every time. And, you know, that was one of the best locations. So they got yeah. there early so they could get the chair and a half. And, um, and literally every session, every time, they would sit, you know, two inches from each other's faces and they would disagree about everything. And they just, they had such different views about everything that we were talking about. And it was just a joy. Like, yeah. it was a pleasure to watch. And I And it encapsulates so much of what's great about our law school. And I just think about them and their friendship and their willingness to engage and the, the, positive, the positivity with which they engaged. And that makes me happy. Did they get married? They did not. Oh. No, no, wow. they did not. They did not get married. No, they were friends. Uh, and they great. had like a sparky friendship. Right. And it was great. I love that. But I could end it. I could, ch I could change it. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be true. All right. Favorite meal in Charlottesville? So I love a lot of restaurants in Charlottesville, too many to name, but I would say- I agree with that. Yeah, really, honestly, it punches way above its weight when it comes to restaurants. Agreed. Um, but my favorite meal still um, is a home-cooked meal with family and friends. Oh. I know. I always right? go for the heartstrings. <laughs> with heavy eggs. <laughs> so- so hypothetically, if you were both, if if you it was your last meal in Charlottesville and you had to go to a dinner restaurant, where would you go? Mm. I would go to the CNO oh, because it's classic, yeah. honestly. And I went on dates with Katie when we were in law school there. We've celebrated anniversaries. Uh, so yeah. the food is phenomenal. Special. The setting is great. But it also has a lot of sentimental value. Yeah. I have too many. I really love okay. Ten for Japanese. Mm -hmm. I love Fleury for French. I love Oak Heart Social. Oh, so fun. good. I love, um, uh, what's the new steak place called? That um, Black Cow. Black Cow is yep. delicious. Um, I just think Smyrna, new, yeah. so Italy, good. so I still good. have not been there. Um, it's very good. Uh, I, I, yeah, so yeah. lots Tavola. of, lots, oh, Gosh. Tavola is really good, yeah. Is it Tavola or Tavola? I don't know. Mm. You say Tavola, Maybe, yeah, say yeah, Exactly, you say heavy <laughs> eggs, I say light eggs. <laughs> There's Moss. Moss is great, too. Yeah. yeah. There are and so Moss, many good places. Moss, you know, like. Those Moss are, has been around for a while. Right, forever. exactly. Those yeah. were two of the only ones that were here when I was a student. Yeah. Um, Favorite way to spend a Saturday? 
besides eating, which we all clearly like to do? Um, so I would say one of three things, not all mutually exclusive. Um, one would be um, going for a long run. Another one would be going for a hike. And a third would be going to a UVA sporting event. I love it. I like all of those. Um, I would add, especially on a Saturday, one of our two or both farmer's markets, which are yes. fabulous. Mm. I go to the farmer's market most weeks when it's open. In fact, I was at Ix Park last night, and I was saying how sad it is between January and April yes. 1, because otherwise it's open all year, yeah. um, that, that there's no farmer's market. So that would definitely be a thing. Um, I love going um, uh, fruit picking. There's all kinds of fruit picking, yes. depending on the season. Love fruit picking. Um, you know, there are all kinds of arts to go to, um, plays and musical performances. That would be a thing. Um, playing games. I like playing games with my kids. Um, yeah. The farmer's market is such a good answer. I aspire to be, (laughs) I really aspire to be the kind of person who goes to a farmer's market, but I never get my act together. You you can't go to the one at Ix without running into somebody. Let me just say there are people who go to the farmer's market and like, really shop there you know mm. they do yeah. like a lot of their shopping local at the yeah i know i know i will buy some things at the farm but i really go to the farmer's market to eat the prepared foods which yes. are really good um and to see people and uh and so you you can spend hours at the farmer's market right. my father was my parents were once visiting we were at the farmer's market and my father said at one point is there anyone you don't know? Right. You know like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lovely social, right. yeah. um, it's beautiful, there's great food, there's lovely crafts, sweet people, like it just, it makes you feel good it's so, yes. about right. Charlottesville. That's why I'm gonna continue to plan to go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can meet there together. <laughs> it is the community feeling that it I is, love. It is, it is. Okay, this might be our last question. Um, for someone out there, listening, which is probably most people who are listening to the show who are considering going to law school, what advice um, would you give that person? And this could be the same as, you know, something you wish you had known or just before you went to law school or just general advice. Well, I guess my suggestion would be go. Um, If you're wondering about whether to attend law school, attend it. I yeah. still think that it is one of the most versatile degrees you can obtain, and it opens up all sorts of doors, some that are obvious, right. um, but others that are not. Uh, and the education that you receive, not just the degree, but the education that you receive is useful across an awful lot of domains. I mean, there, it's a cliche to say you learn how to think like a lawyer. Um, but there is something to it. You learn how to assess problems. You learn how to deal with conflicting interpretations. You learn how to engage in disagreements in a civil way. You learn how to think in a linear fashion and in an analytical way. But without, I think, losing the ability to think creatively. Um, so if you are at all wondering about whether going to law school, back to the question, is a, is a worthwhile investment, um, I think you should feel pretty confident that it is. Yeah. And I'll say two things. So one, in terms of advice, uh, a lot of students say to me when they first arrive or prospective students, I don't know what I want to do. Mm. And 
um, you can't know what you want to do. You don't know anything about this yet. Right. So don't think, you know, adding on to Jim, don't think just because you don't have a specific uh, field or a specific goal, that means you don't really want to go to law school. I don't think that's true. No. And um, most people who come even thinking that they know what they want to do really don't because they just don't know the law. So um, that's part of the process. And you're going to have lots of opportunities to take to figure out what you're interested in, by which I mean not just a subject, but practice areas are all different. And you don't know that till you get into it. So you might be interested in environmental law, but the way the work is might not actually be the way you want to think or the way you want to interact. Some are one big case. Some are lots of little cases. Some last years. Others last a day. Some you're on your feet in court all the time. Others you're reading and writing all the time. Some are intensely social. Others are not, right? So you've got to learn all that. And you can take lots of opportunities in law school through clinics, through pro bono work, through summer internships, through research assistantships. There are all kinds of ways to find that out. You don't have to know it before you come, right? There will be opportunities. Um, the second thing I'll say, because this is our UVA Law Podcast <laughs> and I am the dean of UVA Law School, <laughs> is um, you should not only go, but if you have the opportunity to come to UVA, <laughs> nice you should come to UVA. <laughs> and, um, and I will say one thing about that, that, you know, on top of all the other things that we've said, which is... Um, I think that sometimes people who hear us emphasizing that you're happy here and how well-rounded mm. our students are and how much balance there is and what a community we are think that we're saying that because we're not also rigorous mm -hmm. with the best career outcomes and amazing education. And I think they think it's an either or. And I know maybe students today haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, but there's a great scene in When Harry Met Sally when he's trying to set his friend up on a date and he says that Sally uh, is attractive and has a good yeah. personality. And he says, well, which one is it? Is she attractive or does she have a good personality? <laughs> he says, she's both. And um, we emphasize the community and the joy and the friendships and, and, um, and the balance because we think most places don't have that, and that's really unique. Right. But that's on top of all the other things. And you come to UVA, and you're going to get the best education and the best career opportunities and amazing career outcomes. And you're going to get to enjoy yourself and have a wonderful three years. And also, this goes to something Jim was just saying, the community and the collegiality and the friendships are not only a good intrinsically in themselves for the three years you're here, they also make you better lawyers. They also right. make you more able to have conversations right. across difference. And there's a reason that we're overrepresented among general counsels and managing partners. It's because our students have social skills that they've honed while they were in law school. And they, they want to interact with other people. And, uh, and they want to hear from people who disagree with them. And that's why they've partly chosen UVA. And we're a big tent. And we're a happy place. And it's going to be good for you for the whole rest of your life. And I'll say, like, it can make you a university president. Right if now. you're not careful. <laughs> so I agree with all of that. But tell me if you agree with this. Um, that is true. But students might still find the first semester of law school difficult and disorienting, in part because you're really learning an entirely new language. And I remember feeling a little bit at sea. And so the thing I wish I knew before coming in was that it would be difficult, in yes. part because, for me anyway, learning a new language is difficult. Um, and just like parents, when you ask them after their kids are, I don't know, 20, <laughs> did you like parenting? Um, they say, absolutely, it was right. great. Um, they don't recall or dwell <laughs> on the first three months where 
for me anyway, I, all I kept hearing was, you're going to love being a parent. <laughs> and my first three months, I thought, I'm, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I am not, I'm not seeing yeah. it. Um, and so I would, I would let students know, and I would tell myself, that give yourself some time. It, you will get acclimated, but it may be hard at first and it may be disorienting. And if you're thinking that everyone else is having the time of their lives mm -hmm. from day one, first of all, that's not true. But second of all, you're gonna make yourself feel worse. It, it will come. Yeah. You, you need to give it a little bit of time. I totally agree with that. And I often say the first semester of law school is like the early days of parenting. Oh, I nice. say that all the time. <laughs> so I'm totally with you. Um, and I think it's like that also in that it feels like it's never going to end. And then one day you wake up and you're right. on the other side. Yeah. Right? And like then, but then you forget. Yes. Then right. you forget. And then you have four kids. No, well, yeah, exactly. In your yeah, case, right. right? I had two. Right. Um, but, that's how uh, it happens. But, but that's, yeah. Because yeah. you forget. <laughs> Um, uh, and you know, you don't know what you don't know. And the learning curve is so, st there are right. so many ways. I think it's yeah, a, yeah. a really apt analogy. C can I have one last yeah. thing? Um, I do think it's very hard. And I think part of what's hard is, you know, what I just, I said earlier about, we have these three types of classes, but we really think the first thing you have to learn is the thinking like a lawyer. Yeah. And so the classes that you take when you first arrive in law school are purposefully chosen. They are really all about the kind of problem solving and linear and analytical thinking that you were talking about, Jim. And it's really foreign. And it can be really foreign, not just for your brain, but for your heart. So mm -hmm. if you've come to law school because you want to be an immigration lawyer, or you've come to law school right. for whatever it is that you yeah. want to do, you're not going to do that your first semester. Yeah. And you're and I think a lot of people feel alienated from the reasons they came. Mm. And I think it's really important to know that the curriculum is purposefully done to help you learn this new way of thinking. And after that semester, you're going to broaden back out and you're going to get to do the things you want to do. And that during the semester, I think the things that can help are talking to your professors about mm -hmm. why they teach the way they do and finding pro bono opportunities and other outlets to remember why you've come, even though in the classroom it might feel like you're not doing what you thought you were going right. to do, it's going to come. And right. then the last thing I'll say, and I think you'll agree with this too, it's really hard, but doing it at UVA makes it easier and better. It's still hard at UVA, but doing it in an environment where people have your back, where there is collegiality and camaraderie, I think, you know, from what I hear from our students, really does make a difference. It's still really intellectually challenging um, in all the ways that you were saying, but having uh, social support and having the kind of community that we have at UVA, I think helps get people through in a, in a really positive way. I agree, and I, I assume you still have sort of peer mentoring, mm -hmm. which I think is enormously helpful because you're hearing from second and third year students who remember right. that the first semester can be hard um, and are encouraging and offer not just support but advice. Yep. Uh, and that makes a world of difference because you don't feel like you're just cast into the ocean and you know people are going to stand on the shore and see if you can swim. Right. My peer advisors were definitely that for me. And I will also say it's supposed to feel hard. So yes. when, you know, a lot of 1Ls come by our office, you know, because we are sort of their most recent point of contact and they say, mm -hmm. I don't understand anything. And I usually say, that's not a bad sign, <laughs> right? Like right. if you think that you understand everything. Right. You probably don't. You probably right. don't. Right. Right. So you mentioned peer advisors. Were they the ones who told you not to take a class from me? <laughs> Because maybe they're not so great. <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> no, they are great. They are great. <laughs> it was 
even better than I was thinking it would be to have you both on the show. This was amazing. Thank you both. Your schedules, I know, are impossible. So thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really an honor. Yeah, totally my pleasure. Thank you. This was great. Really fun. Thanks, Natalie. This has been Admissible with me, Dean Natalie Blazer, at the University of Virginia School of Law. My guests today were University of Virginia President Jim Ryan and the Dean of UVA Law School, Risa Golubov. For more information about UVA Law, please visit law.virginia.edu. The next episode of Admissible will be out soon. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Instagram at, at @admissiblepodcast. Thanks so much for listening, and please remember to rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts.